I'm Holiday. I'm Tarrant. I'm Independence Day. Oh, a microphony. And a phony at the mic. Get Whoa! Out of there. <laughs> and now, on with the opera. Let joy be unconfined. Let there be dancing in the streets, drinking in the saloons, and necking in the parlor. Play, Don. Would you welcome Mr. Warm? Picture it. Sicily, 1920. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Killers, Cults, and Nutjobs 2.0, where we cover all crime. I am, as always, your host, the great white snark, Scotty J. And joining me on our descent into madness this week is the lovely and beautiful Monica. Hi. Oh, boy. she I just love it. She comes out of the gate. She's got this great big high. I really had to fill that one up today after. You know, well, yeah, a rough day at work. Day. I get it. Like, yeah, so I, I get it. You know, I, I have we all have rough days at work. I do too, you know. Of course, I was I had to go back and restart uh small town murder. I slept through half of it. That's uh, I won't say anything with that one. No, I like not one of my favorites. Yeah, I like it, but since we're on downtime right now until they let us go, I I was listening and I fell asleep and missed all the good stuff. Okay. Well, Try to go back and re-listen. I've been listening to a couple. Like I usually, I go for the, I guess the, I don't want to say like serial because I've never listened to actual, actual serial, but the ones that take one story and do it over several right, right. episodes. I'm not usually into that one, that type, but like this week, of list execution of Bonnie Fakely. Is that the one with um Robert Blake? Yeah. Okay. I remember yeah. when that went down. Yeah, and of course, you know, I saw her grave back in 2009. Right. And I, I, and we also ate at Vitello's. And I also they have a takeout menu that I took home and it still has the Robert Blake um dish on it. So yeah, my question. <laughs> That's My it. question is, he's still alive. Yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, as soon as I, and this was like eight years after, like she had been killed and he still had it on the menu. So like, of course, it was like, awesome. And right. collapse about the Surfside um, condominium collapse. Mm, okay. The, the Champlain condo towers. Ah, so yeah, basically through no, crime and disasters. That's my that's my thing. Just, you know, today was uh well today was Thursday, so it was I, I started off with um I only had one show to listen to. It was um Small Town Murder. Yeah. Ever, ever even before Gilbert died, they've been doing um like on Mondays and Thursdays, they've been replaying old episodes. And I've Unless it's somebody that I really want to listen to again, I, I skip them. Yeah, I've listened to some of the Dana Carvey and I think him and uh, Robert, uh, uh, David Spade have one. Yeah. I've I think it's called Fly on the Wall. I've been wanting to check it out. It was pretty funny. Some like, you know, listen to the older people on there and all, but yeah. But those, that's like two really good ones. I 
I think actually I finished the Surfside one today. Uh, before we get really in, well done. before we get into today's episode, uh, no, we, I wanted we to, have our own episode. <laughs> right. I wanted to ask you, um, have you been to Phil Hartman's grave? No, because actually he's not really, he was, it's just her. That's okay. There. And it's more like for, they put his name there, but his, um, ashes were, um, you know, scattered over. Okay. Catalina. I I was just thinking about that earlier today. Yeah, but yeah, like now they have me like checking to see where the um yeah it's in Minnesota. The cenotaph is in Minnesota anyway. I've never been in Minnesota, so I have family in Minnesota, up in the Twin Cities. It says Thief River Falls River. Thief River Water Park. It's simply spec. Oh, there's a there's a over in Indiana. There's a Deep Rivers Water Park. So, okay. Um, yeah, that, that was my senior year. Him and Chris Farley within the. I was in Chicago the day Farley died. Yep, I was in high school. Actually, I <laughs> I didn't know it, but I was right there by the Sears Tower when the uh, ambulance came out of there, hauling That's his body cool. away. Yeah. I didn't notice, notice we yeah, because of Chicago ambulances are coming, you know, all the time. Yeah, well, and also there was no the news in your hand either back then. No, but uh when I came home, uh I went to Chicago with some friends. We came home and then we found out that it was Farley and we're like, oh my god, we were there. Yeah. All right, enough enough with our our yeah, that's one of the longer ones, but I think. Right. Well, uh, well, no usual chat, but yeah, yeah, our our preview of uh, Death Watchers, yeah, (laughs) Grave Watchers, whatever. We're gonna get back into uh, into part two of Patty Hearst. Um, I I still think she's the reason why I ended up with crazy women most of my life. Okay. 1974, security cameras were a new feature for protecting banks. You know, like today, we're we're used to security cameras, you know, walking in there, taking pictures of you. Not in 74, folks. This was a new technology. But see, the thing is, is they could take pictures, but not video. So, like, if you look at, um, like, you ever see a documentary on this particular case, the, the pictures are like, it's like old school um, oh, film. Oh. See, actually, that's the first time I ever learned that with that. Because it's always, yeah, the pictures. Yeah, I just they, thought it was like the way they edited it. No, know? no. I didn't know uh, that was the way they had it. was like, it's like her seeing one way, then seeing another. It's instead of just. Yeah, they took, um, uh, they were like high speed cameras that snapped the pictures. And that's why it looks so choppy when you go back and see like footage from uh or you know pictures of 1970 bank robberies it's because it was high-speed cameras now the sla they chose the hibernia bank on noriega and 22nd avenue because of this particular feature the robbery was set for april 15th tax day hey let's make a big splash here that, that's why they chose the day those tax day Funny. 
it is it's funny but they were trying to be relevant you know and they, that's all they wanted proof of it too i guess right like what you said with why they chose that bank because they had yeah because they had they cameras. Have security cameras so it would be recorded so, so right because they them. wanted um yada 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 yeah <laughs> uh on the 13th two of the members rented four cars for the robbery and Patty was chosen as part of the team to enter the bank, and she carried a loaded weapon with her. When they arrived at the bank, the inside team did the job they went in. Now, as they entered, Lang accidentally dropped her ammo clip. We're, we're talking like professionals. That would here. be me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we're performing a robbery, and Monica's going to drop the clip. Yeah. Uh-huh. Knowing in your case, if he dropped the clip, the bullets would come rolling out of the clip across the floor. Yeah, he'd like running, trying to grab them all. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be, I, I'm, I'm just picturing that for a movie. You know, you come walking in, clip drops, bullets roll out. My bad, folks. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> just give me a second here. <laughs> go go about your business. <laughs> I'll collect myself. Now, DeFree stepped over her and announced that it was a bank robbery. A manager was upstairs when they entered and activated a silent alarm, which then activated the security cameras. Everything was going well until two customers walked in and, well, Ling panicked and fired off two shots. This would be Monica again in the middle of a bank robbery. Guys coming in to drop off the night deposit. She gets scared, fired off a couple rounds. I'll be back later. Don't mind me. Uh, one shot hit a customer in the ass and the other in the hand. I, I found that funny in the book that one took a took a round to the ass and one took a round in the hand. Both of them left bleeding. Now, before they left, Patty announced her name and then the group's name. Then they went there. Then they went to their hideout with over ten grand from the bank. The robbery had the desired effect. Patty was seen working with a radical group, undermining the FBI attempts to find her. Other radical groups, inspired by the SLA, began to make their presence known. San Diego police at this point in time had their hands full with the Zodiac, who we're going to cover later sometime as soon as I read the book, and the zebra killings. I really want to look into these. I've heard about them. I don't know much about the zebra killings. I'm thinking of some crazy redneck running around the zoo, slashing the throats of zebras. Oh, uh, awesome to look into that, and also to like make sure it's not what you were saying. Right now, this placed more pressure on the FBI to find Patty. Nine days after the robbery, Patty recorded a message, and her comments aimed at her parents. She said she wasn't brainwashed and she chose to join the jail, the, the JLA. Yeah, she joined the Justice League, folks. The SLA. With the group, with the growing search for Patty, DeFreeze announced the group was moving. He paid a couple of friends two grand to buy three vans and they moved to a place on Oakland Avenue. These guys left clues for the police who arrived three days later after the neighbors complained of roaches in the apartment. After a few days, the freeze announced they were moving to L.A. Yes, L.A. moved to L.A. 
Nancy Ling found a place at 833 West 84th Street. It was in South Central and it was a dump. A few days later, Patty, Bill, and Emily Harris decided they needed to get out and buy some supplies. One of the stops was at Mel's Sporting Goods to buy some camping supplies. While in the store, Bill decided he was going to shoplift a bandolier. As he made his way out, a store clerk and the manager tackled him to the ground. Someone shouted, he's got a gun. Patty saw this. See you later, fire. honey. <laughs> she didn't hit anyone, but it provided a distraction for Bill to escape. Well, one of the reasons why they were going in was they were going to go pay a, an unpaid parking ticket the group acquired. Well, you know, so. <laughs> Which they didn't pay. They ended up leaving it on the front seat of the uh, the van. So all that work for? For nothing. Nothing, yeah. Yeah. The three fugitives led the police on a chase through the streets, abandoning and switching cars to throw off the police. The police found the van and the unpaid parking ticket on the front seat. They now had an address of where the SLA was living. Smooth. Right. These are not master criminals. Yeah. Patty and her team had gone to a prearranged meeting spot to wait for their friends. The problem was the SLA had no idea the amount of trouble Patty and her friends were in. After waiting for hours, Emily suggested the trio hide out at a hotel near Disneyland. When they arrived at the hotel, they turned on the TV and found out why their friends never met them. The, the reason why they chose Disneyland was I think um, Emily had worked there for a summer. So they figured they could hide in with the tourists. Shouldn't they have been able to figure that out anyway? I mean, I guess, yeah. like you said before, not exactly. The no, smartest, they're not the smartest so, criminal, yeah. you know. With the clues left behind in the van, the police and FBI had figured out where the SLA was staying. A standoff began as police began to surround the location. At 5.53 p.m., SWAT teams fired two tear gas canisters into the house, which prompted the SLA to return fire. The police joined in, starting a firefight. At 6 p.m., the FBI joined in firing tear gas into the house. At the one-hour mark, military-grade tear gas was fired into the house, which was more flammable than the police tear gas. The house shortly caught on fire. At 6.58, the walls caved in. By 7 p.m., the firefighters were allowed to go in. All members of the SLA were slain in the fight, but the question remained, where was Patty? Which, uh, yeah, that military grade tear gas. Well, the, the the guys in the house, they had uh, military grade gas masks that they were wearing. So that's why they were able to withstand the tear gas. Yeah. You're not going to take us alive? Yeah, I live near train tracks. I got murder hobos that come through town every, you know. Carl Panzerram. Got the other one we could do that. Oh, Panzerram. Yeah. Oh. No, like the. Oh God, we keep getting off this subject, but the. Well, we keep coming up with so many topics, you know. I know, right? It's like we're we're gonna have to. Have... There's so many criminals in this world. Right. You know, when I when I go out and visit you next week, we're gonna have to take a day and uh, make a list. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go find it. Yeah. You... 
Your turn. Carry on. I'll find right. Carry on my wayward son. There will be yep. peace when you are done. Lay your weary head. Oh, sorry. I was listening to that in the car on my way to work this morning. Bill, Emily, and Patty began a cross-country odyssey to remain hidden. Members of the Radical Fringe helped move the trio from California to Monica's neck of the woods, Pennsylvania. Old neck of the woods. Yeah, well, still kind of. I mean, you're, you're still... But they, I think they were more on the western side of the state. Yeah, so that takes about like more than five hours to get across. So, yeah, it's like another part of the country, basically. Right. I, I kind of noticed that last time uh, I was out there and you guys took me to, the, to Lancaster. It's like going back in time. Yeah, but that's still closer to Philadelphia than Pittsburgh is. Right, but I, I did love that... Uh, bird in the hand place we ate at uh, yeah uh-huh and then i realized a week after i was there uh henry winkler was there oh when like the week after i visited uh-huh. yeah he-, he came through town and ate at that exact same place oh that's cool he was i was like i missed the files by a week oh i know right oh, now one. while they were on the move patty helped these groups plan bank robberies and make homemade bombs. So she's adding bomb making to her uh, growing criminal charges here. One of the people helping hide the fugitives was Jack Scott. His older brother, Walter, found out about his involvement and convinced him to turn Patty in. Now, by the time the FBI confirmed all of this, Patty was living in Las Vegas in the fall of 1974. She was probably working at a club off, 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 off the strip. Back then when they had like the the 50 cent buffets, you know, with some nasty looking shrimp cocktail. Now, Jack, Jack had given a press conference with his attorney telling everything he knew about Patty during his time with her. Now, if if you happen to get a hold of... uh, uh, the book American Heiress. Uh, they show the press conference, and he's sitting there. I want to say Bill Wa- uh, Bill Wash Walsh, an NBA superstar at the time. I think he played for Seattle or something. But he was there with Jack doing the press conference because he didn't want he didn't want to say he had involvement with the uh, whole Patty Hearst thing. Two people watching were her parents, wondering where she was. The the authorities, following the trail of people associated with Jack, eventually found Patty living with Michael Borton, a house painter, at 625 Morse Street. On September 18, 1975, Patty was captured by the FBI. And it went down so so non-climatic. They just opened up the door. They'd gone in. She pops out of the room. Are you Patty Hearst? Yes. You're under arrest. Okay. <laughs> I, I told you, officer, there was something weird going on at that house over there. There was all those people living there and none. I, I just don't know. Patty's lawyers tried to say she was in a drug-induced haze during her time with the SLA. Well, her family didn't like this lawyer, so they switched and they a hired F. Lee Bailey. Saw him so, at CrimeCon. Oh, he's still alive? 
No, he's dead now. Oh, I was going like to say. Years after, but yeah, Song Crime Con 17. I was going to say, man. I was like, oh my God, like, just stop talking. You're like, oh, yeah, he's he's a very big self-promoter. Uh-huh. We are all like, if people were like walking, it was funny too. Well, that's what they found out like later. Uh, Patty's parents found out like later on in the case that F. Lee Bailey had signed a deal where he, he was going to write a book about his experience uh, of course, defending Patty. Yeah. I'd have done a pro bono. I would have done a Sonny Bono too. <laughs> oh, him. Okay. Did you, oh, you saw him after he hit the tree. Yeah. Now, when the trial began in February 76, Patty appeared in court looking like the pampered princess she was supposed to be. On the stand, she said she was repeatedly raped during her time with SLA and only joined to protect herself. On cross-examination, she pleaded the fifth. There are many amendments to the Constitution. Fifth. One, two, three, four, fifth. Is that like some kind of like Gen X thing? No, that was from a Ch- uh, Chappelle show. Okay. Yeah, I never watched that one. He did a he did a spoof of uh like Law and Order, but showing like if uh, drug dealers got the same kind of treatment that white collar criminals got in court. Uh huh. So every time they asked him a question, he was like, "I plead the fifth. And he he was just making songs about the about the Fifth Amendment. On March 19th, the jury began deliberations. It took them less than an hour to find her guilty of bank robbery and weapons possession. I, I, I think those the, the jurors just like, oh, this is a pampered rich kid. We're going to give it to her hard. Uh, she was sentenced to seven years. Hearst suffered a collapsed lung in prison, the beginning of a series of medical problems, and she underwent emergency surgery. This prevented her from appearing to testify against the Harris's on 11 charges, including robbery, kidnapping, and assault. She was also arraigned for those charges. She was held in solitary confinement for security reasons, and she was granted bail for an appeal hearing in November of 76 on the condition that she was protected on bond. So daddy did what anyone would do and hired bodyguards. Superior Court Judge Talbot Callister gave her probation on the sporting goods store charge when she pleaded no contest, saying that he believed that she had been subject to coercion amounting to torture. California Attorney General Avell J. Younger said that if there was a double standard for the wealthy, it was the opposite of what was generally believed and that Hearst received a stiffer sentence than a person of lesser means might have gotten. He said that she had no legal brainwashing defense, but pointed out that the events had started with her being kidnapped. Hearst's bail was revoked in May 1978 when appeals failed and the Supreme Court declined to hear her case. The prison took no special security measures for her safety until she found a dead rat on her bunk on the day when William and Emily Harris were arraigned for her abduction. Okay, ill. The Harrises were convicted on a simple kidnapping charge, as opposed to the more serious kidnapping for ransom or kidnapping with bodily injury, and they were released after serving a total of eight years each. I think that uh, the rat meant, um, you know, that you squealed. 
Oh, well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I, I was I was trying to remember. It's been a while since I read any gangland books. Yeah, so. Well, I kind of want to know, if, like, do they find it naturally dead or do they kill? And like also. When, well, that, that's where do good... they get said rack? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> it, it's not hard to find a, a rat in prison. Um, especially if you're working down in uh, the kitchen. Yeah. Or if you're out in the yard. I guess they probably the rat poison in the kitchen. Yeah. Right. right. You know, so they, you know, the, 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 the rat got a hold of some poison. Mm-hmm. And they just picked it up and got it into her cell. Sending a, sending a message, clearly. Yep. Her parents hired George Martinez to begin the process to commute Patty's sentence. California Congressman Leo Ryan. Where have I heard that name before? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I know. Somehow I can't quite get it. And Governor Ronald Reagan also signed the paperwork that was brought before President Jimmy Carter. Well, Bonzo and I'd like to make sure that... Uh... Patty Hearst gets out of prison real nice in time for the Bob Hope special that I'll be on. Okay. Isn't that right, Nancy? That was Nancy. Well, I was doing Ron, but oh you know. god, I was gonna say we're doing the Okay. On January 29th, 1979, President Carter signed the order to commute her sentence to 22 months served, freeing her eight months before she was eligible for her first parole hearing. Her release. On February 1st, 1979, was under stringent conditions, and she remained on probation for the state sentence on the sporting goods store plea. She recovered full civil rights when President Bill Clinton granted her pardon on January 20th, 2001, his last day in office. That is the best I've noticed. Uh, Presidents like to do that on their last day. That's like their big F you to everybody. Yeah, uh, I remember when it happened. I can't believe it's 21 years. Yeah, because Andrew Johnson, on his last days in office, he freed the the bodies of the four people who were hung for the uh, Lincoln conspiracy. Uh, Surratt, Azrod, Harold, and um, Powell. And released to families or whatever? Yeah, released them to the family. Also, he released the body of uh, John Wilkes Booth to the family. Hey, when did like what he, and mud was no mud was down in uh the dry tortugas uh-huh. he, he pardoned him he got yeah. a pardon him and uh well him and four three others went down there but one um a yellow fever epidemic hit the prison and since he was a doctor he I am, he took care of the people and that's why he got the pardon. yeah that's why he got the pardon because he uh hey history class <laughs> well and also i i can fill you in on it i mean i have plenty of oh, books here yeah <laughs> oh oh yeah sorry oh yeah wrong podcast here <laughs> sorry history major yeah so two months after her release from prison Hearst married bernard lee shaw a policeman who was part of her security detail during her time on bail they had two children jillian and lydia hurst shaw Hearst became involved in the foundation helping children with aids and is active in other charities and fundraising activities. I wonder how you use that nightstick there, officer. I've been a naughty girl. Handcuff me. Okay. Trying to keep this above board slightly. Hey. Yeah, slightly. Hearst published a memoir, Every Secret Thing, co-written with Alvin Moscow in 81. 
Her accounts resulted in authorities considering bringing new charges against her. She was interviewed in 2009 on NBC and said that the prosecutor had suggested that she had been in a consensual relationship with Wolf. She described that as outrageous and an insult to rape victims, which I'm going to call BS on this because she was in a relationship with Wolf. She wasn't raped. They, it was consensual. But that blows her whole defense. True. Yeah. So. Hearst produced a special for the Travel Channel titled Secrets of San Simone with Patricia Hearst, in which she took. San Simeon. Sorry. Never got up there. It was always just like a little too far from Los Angeles to make it. Yeah, you know, on one of those many trips. So. I'm, I'm thinking in a couple of weeks when I go to uh, Wisconsin, thinking about slipping up to a uh, plain field to see Ed Gein. That'd be cool. Yeah. Now, in, in this uh, special, she took viewers inside her grandfather's mansion, Hearst Castle, providing unprecedented access to the property. She has appeared in four feature films for director John Walters, who cast her in uh, 1990's Crybaby, 1994's Serial Mom, 1998's Pecker, he said Pecker, 2000's Cecil B. Demented, and 2004's A Dirty Shame. She collaborated with Cordelia Francis Biddle on writing the novel Murder at San Simone, Simeon, whatever she said. Based upon the death of Thomas H. Ince on her grandfather's yacht. That sounds like a topic. She also appeared... The movie, Pierre Bogdanovich. Oh. Didn't have to do Dorothy Stratton. Okay, sorry. Okay. I can do six degrees of anything with me. Right. People. <laughs> She also appeared in an episode in, or in the episode, The Lord of the P.I.s in season three of Veronica Mars. The character was the heiress of a fictionalized Hearst family, loosely based on the aspects of her life. She also made a cameo in Pauly Shore's film Biodome. Oh, I love that movie. You would. Oh, I, man. Bio, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. Biodome is like the pinnacle of Polly Shore's acting career. Yeah. Encino Man? I mean, like... Son-in-law? Yes, yeah, like... That was a good one. I've rented that a few times. I, I actually owned Encino Man, Son-in-law, Biodome, and Jury Duty. Uh, yeah, oh, and in the Army now. I was... I, I... Sad to say, I saw Jory Duty in the, in the theater. I was like, there weren't that many choices back then. No, there wasn't. Honestly, there was not that many choices when uh, films came out. Well, and I was also wasn't old enough yet to go to the art movies either. <laughs> so, yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> she was also a guest caller on the TV series Frasier on episode one, season 23, Frasier's Crane's Day Off. Uh, and her character's name on that was Janice. Hearst has a, participated with her dogs in dog shows, and her 
She Too Rocket won the toy group at the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show at Madison Square Garden on February 6, 2015. At the 2017 show, her French Bulldog Tuggy won Best of Breed and Ruby won Best of Opposite Sex. Uh, now I'm sorry. Like, the, like when I read that too, I'm like, Opposite Sex? Like, I just I, I have to look more into that because that's kind of confusing. For- well, I guess, you know, they probably uh, judge the dogs based on sex. I have the opposite. I don't know. Like, Maybe he was identifying as a girl. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm just like thinking out loud here. I mean, kind of, so I remember that in the, the categories, but maybe it's the ones they don't. Um, well, I to- I don't really watch Westminster Kennel. Well, I, I do. Stewie's a fan, so <laughs> <laughs> Stewie's probably picking up his next girlfriend there, young. Yeah, she uh-huh. looks good. Uh-huh. But uh, no, I lately uh, she she's pretty much kept out of the public eye. She uh, works on charities. I think she lives in New York. Has she's got to be lives in New York? You know, ever since the trial, she you know the trial and her her um, case got commuted. Uh, she's which has been like. A long time ago now too so. right i mean she just she's kept a low profile and mm-hmm. you know which i mean probably because a lot of you know people bring up uh stockholm syndrome and this was coming around about the time of her kidnapping where um i guess there was a kidnapping in stockholm and the the people started like identifying with their captors that's where we get the name from now but a lot of people to this day still argue, you know, did she do it willingly? Was was she brainwashed by them to join them? I honestly, I think it was like the, the Stockholm going on too. Well, I don't know. After reading uh, Peter Tubin's book, I, I think she just did it to, to kind of survive. And also well, having... Yeah, I mean, that's what... was. Wouldn't that be like the Stockholm too, kind of, you know? Kind of, but, but, you know. Yeah, did what she did so she could get out kind of deal. Right, and also, you know, when your boyfriend goes, bye, honey, see you later. Yeah. Well, what was funny was like, okay, when when her folks got the FBI involved and they set up command there in the house, uh, the fiance camped out there in the house too with the, the, the family and the family's like, I wish this guy would get the hell out of here. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, for reason, being the teacher, for starters, then, like, leaving her out to dry with that. And right. I'm like, I guess he knew his time was, like, coming to an end. Well, well, so well like, I think every what, minute he could. I think what finally did it was uh, the, the message that she had recorded and sent to her parents during her kidnapping were, she basically told him it was over. Like, uh, yeah, you left me stupid. Um, I'm through with you. And the family was just like, okay, the clock starts ticking now on when you can get out of our house. Yeah, that would have been like the second. Like, what was her parents <laughs> at that moment? That would have been like, not even like him first and then all like his belongings right after him. Like, don't need any more. Alfred, throw him out. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, Jeffrey, throw his stuff out. (laughs) (laughs) You know, then you 
then you cut to like in uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air when uh, Uncle Phil would throw out uh, jazz. Oh yeah. You get the screenshot of him just throw, flying through the air. Uh-huh. But yeah, she's. I mean, just kept it quiet. She's just living a quiet life, and you know, more power to her. You know, the seventies were tumultuous for her, so just just let her be. You know. Mm-hmm. Of course, the seventies were like you know, almost fifty years ago, and some part of it was fifty, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Not there yet. Yeah, I know. Soon, very soon, though. Yes, I will. Rah. I will be there. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I just hope the second fifty was better than the first fifty. How about the third fifty? If they make medicine enough to keep me alive to 150, I'm going to rock it. Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap this one up, folks. Um, we're on Spotify. Catch us there. The big one. If you guys have Podbean or CastBox app, you can find us there. We got the Facebook page. Um, we're working with uh, T Public to come up with new designs for our, our uh, shop there. I think I have a design in my head. I think we're we're gonna do a uh, uh, say goodnight, Monica T-shirt. Ooh, do I get the first one? Yeah, I, I get will. Employee discount. I will send you a, 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 a say goodnight, Monica T-shirt. Sweet. I I thought you were like I was coming up with that the other day. I was coming home from work and I was like, we should just have a. A say goodnight, Monica t shirt. I'm tearing up here. I figured you'd like it. <laughs> so, okay. Love that airspace, but. Right. But I mean, you know, hey, you know, it's becoming a catchphrase of the show now. So. It is. Okay, it's better than the huh? What? Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Sold a whole bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. You're the master of the quip film. Yeah. And yet, no one still has heard. It. I don't even know if he's alive anymore. Yeah, and not everybody gets an obituary either. So, um, like, honestly, yeah, if he. Right, but I mean, he has like died. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a super bizarre that nobody has heard. No, I mean, he used to hang out with my brother and their friends, and none of them have heard anything from him. When did you talk to your brother last? Uh, I just talked to him a couple of days ago. Yeah, so I was uh, updating him on um, relationship issues. And you gave him all the great advice, right? Actually, he gives me advice, so yeah. it's like uh, if you ever really want to see me and my brother together, watch the movie Step Brothers. Okay, now I'm terrified. <laughs> I get uh, for killer scopes. Do you ever want to see like a movie about you know James and I? Watch Psycho. Oh, I was gonna say Har- <laughs> I was gonna say Harvey and I. No. <laughs> Hey, hey! I, you should be happy. I threw in a James Stewart reference, a Jimmy Stewart reference there. Yeah, yeah, but mine was funnier, so I win. I, I think I, I think I seen the uh, the remake with a uh, Harry Anderson. Oh, 
of which out Harvey. Oh yeah. Oh, Harvey and I. I met him too. Actually, yeah. I've not met any, if there's one, one per, actually two people from Night Court I'd like to meet. Uh, John Larroquette because I was always a fan of Dan Fielding. Oh yeah, uh -huh. shocker. And uh, Richard Richard Bull because he did the voice of my favorite Batman villain in uh, Batman the Animated Series. Well, there are two that are still alive, so. Yeah, those two in a Marshall Warfield. Let's get guards around them. He's on Facebook a lot. Richard Mole? No, Marshall War. Um, oh yeah. Warfield, yeah. Got pretty active. Yeah. Page. Yeah. yeah. So for killers, cults, and nut jobs, I'm Scotty J. Say good night, Monica. Good night, Monica. <laughs> <laughs>